two moms, two marketers, two women new to the financial industry. They have a lot of questions. That's why they're bringing in financial experts to educate all of us here on A Penny or Two for Your Thoughts. It's Chantel and Liz, and this is A Penny or Two for Your Thoughts. Here we go. <laughs> oh my God, did that really happen? Let's do this. Yeah, that's happened. Hi. <laughs> did I just intro us? Yeah, you did. Huh? You did. Wow. Yeah. We started in like, this is, this is going. We're going. We're going to let this go. We are. We're not even going to tell our guest how this rolls. We're not even going to give him any this insight. Kind of we just gonna... He has no idea what to expect. Is this like a hazing? Uh, I'll, just, hazing? I'll just wing it. I'll see? just wing it. Oh, yeah. See, and he just, I, I'll he just curious. I'm just kind of talking. a roll with it kind of guy. So we're going to make our listeners guess as to whose voice that is. Ooh. Yes, yeah. listeners. Ooh. Um, Nate. How many years <laughs> has our guest been in the industry that he's been in can you pinpoint that number are you asking me yeah why not <laughs> well here's the thing when i'm when i heard this person was joining our organization census federal credit union i already met someone with the same name and i'm like oh my god he's starting no it's not him at all i'm like oh same name mm-hmm. but first it, and you're last? just as cool just as really cool. first yeah. and last name first and last I did not know there was another one oh, yeah. of me in the Omaha metro area. He's in Atlanta. Oh, well, that so, yeah. explains it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so there could be another one in the world somewhere. Right. Sure. Yes. For sure. Okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. Freaky story about that. Okay. So my name is Elizabeth Garber. Like that's what I was born with. Mm-hmm. Okay. My husband works. He's an engineer at HDR. And he was emailing with somebody, I think at the city. I'm probably totally going to butcher this. Um, but he was emailing with somebody and her name is Elizabeth Garber. Well, shout out Elizabeth, right? <laughs> Freaky. And it happened when we were dating. So like we were dating and he was like, he got an email from this Beth Garber. Right. And it shows up as Elizabeth Garber, but she yeah. signed that her signature was Beth Garber. Okay. I was like, that, that's that, weird. That is a weird coincidence. Garber is not a common last name. No. Yeah. Gerber. Gerber. Is a brand. Close, <laughs> True. But Garber is not. I feel, yeah. Cam, I'm going to look at you right now because I feel like we're supposed to be recording and I think this is good. Like, we're good. Yeah. Are you good? Are you comfortable yeah, with yeah, us going good. on? Are we good? We're yeah, that's yeah. fine. Do you like that intro? That like, great. we just kind of wong, we just, wong it? Yeah. I mean, we like came in hot yeah. and then came just. In real hot. <laughs> I mean, this plane was going 5,000 miles an hour and it didn't <laughs> have the, the landing gear on. You said almost <laughs> another word, I think. <laughs> I, did I? I don't know. No, maybe. <laughs> It's the it's part of my vocabulary. Oh, God. So. Okay. Can we? Okay. Um, what what is what is today? Okay. I today know... is the day after Valentine's Day. Yes, that's where I'm going with this. You, you got that. Okay. Valentine's. Single. How do you feel about this holiday? That holiday that was yesterday. Okay. So here's the thing. Valentine's Day is actually my mom's birthday. Okay. So I never really celebrated Valentine's Day because it was always her birthday, oh, and I you. wanted her to feel special. However, thanks to this holiday. It jacks up the prices on everything right. that, as a kid, I wanted to get her. Right. Flowers. True. No. Nope. Chocolates. No. Nope. Go out to eat. Are you kidding me? I right. don't want to yeah. elbow the person that's right. across from me because they right. put the table so close together. Yeah. We had a really hard time even trying to get reservations when I was growing up just to take her out to eat. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I've always had kind of a bitter taste to the holiday just because of that perspective. But then as I got older and... Yeah. yeah I don't know. I... I, I love love, but I know I love love. I don't know really I love where my I was husband going every day. So why, <laughs> why do I have to have a day to where I like go above and beyond? I know. 
um, we went to school conferences. Oh, that's mm. lovely. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to shout out to Jace, uh, on this show because he, the long story, he didn't go with us to conferences and today he may or may not be grounded just because we need to work on some things in life as a 16 year old. Yeah. Um, just got a text that he did get his haircut and it is a mullet. It is. It, mm. com- confirm mm-hmm. that this yeah. is a mullet. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love Valentine's and school conferences that lead to a mullet. So, ah, ah, I didn't pay back. Payback's oh. fun. Amazon, look for a mullet wig. <laughs> you put the mullet oh. on and drop him off to school. Yes. With your mullet wig. Yes. And him with his mullet, actual mullet. Sweet baby, I'm coming in with you to school. <laughs> Mom loves Mama you. Loves you. Sweet baby. Have a sweet day, my sweet baby boy. Mm. My little schnookums. Oh, Jace, yeah. I'm coming for you. You think you can win this? Oh. I, I just lost brownie points with Jace for Mm-mm. giving you that idea. It's good stuff. Yeah. All right, listeners, as we've taken you down a tunnel that's very, very deep and weird, uh, we're going to... And we're awkward. Gonna, <laughs> we're going to jump right in. I have if, no idea how this is going to go. For our listeners that don't know, our guest today has been in mortgage lending for 32 years and made Centris his home during the work week a little over a year ago. See what I did there? Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. This is good. Please so. welcome to the show the Assistant Vice President Mortgage Production, Brian Beard. Ooh. Hello, everybody. <laughs> hello, hello. Brian Beard of Omaha, of Nebraska. Nebraska. Yes. Not, Not of Atlanta, Atlanta Georgia. Yes. 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 We just need to make sure. On the record right yeah. now. Yes. Yeah. Born and raised in Nebraska. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Oh, so we have a corn husker. That's good. Yes, We've you do. We've been having I, a lot of Iowa's. Hawkeyes right, that's even where I went to school. So yes, a hundred percent. Wow. Oscar. Yeah. All right. And sorry, sorry, Jays fans who are listening. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. You know, all <laughs> it those, happens. It does. It does. So we're gonna jump right in. We okay. we met with you a couple weeks ago. We were talking about some different marketing pieces that we were gonna be working on. And you had mentioned some different terms. And we're like, gosh, this could be a really good podcast just to kind of level set all the different terms that are out there when you're talking about mortgages and home buying and all the things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to uh, talk, ask some questions about what are the differences between things? How, how, why do people get confused? I know from my personal experience, and I know we've talked about this on the podcast before, it seems so overwhelming mm-hmm. when you buy a house for the first time or the second time or the third time. What does that look like and all the different things that you need to know? And, and maybe it's not so bad if you know who to talk to and you're talking to the right people and, right. and you're and you're doing your pre-work so we're gonna jump in are you ready absolutely let's all right. do it buckle up here we go all right all right okay all right. brian we're just gonna start out kind of with the basics do you or can you help our listeners understand the difference between escrow and equity yes so other than starting with the letter e they are two completely <laughs> different things so, so escrow is basically a fancy way, at least in Nebraska, it's used differently in different parts of the country, but here in Nebraska and Iowa, escrow is a holding account where we put a homeowner's taxes and insurance if it is part of their payment, and which is that way most of the time. So a homeowner makes their payment to Centris, 
we take the taxes and insurance out of the payment and put it into an escrow account, which is just a holding account. And then we use that money to make sure that the taxes and insurance get paid on time during the appropriate times of the year. Typically homeowners, it's once a year and taxes, at least in Nebraska, it's twice a year. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's what an escrow account is. Um, And so then the homeowner doesn't have to worry about paying those on their own because it's part of the mortgage and then we just take care of it behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And then that way we know they're paid and paid on time so they don't go delinquent as well, which is the advantage to to Centris. So equity is the difference between the value of your house and what you owe on it. So as a quick example, if my value is 500,000 and my mortgage is 200,000, I have $300,000 of equity. Um, And that's, you know, you're always gaining that as you make your payment each month, a certain chunk of the payment goes to the principal balance, which reduces it. And then, and also with appreciation, which we will, I think we'll get into here in a little bit, as the house goes up in value and you pay the loan balance down, you're gaining that difference, which is called the equity. So they both start with ease. They do. Yeah. But they do. (laughs) You can get very confused very fast. Oh, quickly. (laughs) Yep. That's where I'm at all day today. So here we are. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay, Brian. So just talking about equity, how can an average homeowner uses equity in their home to consolidate debt? Sure. Yeah. Um, So again, that that equity is essentially not a non-liquid asset, right? So you have money in checking or savings, which is liquid, or the equity in your home is is basically in a non-liquid form. But you can use that in the right situation to possibly consolidate a whole bunch of debt and use that equity in the house, um, mainly to cheapen up your payments. So what we see some folks doing, particularly now, as interest rates have risen over the past Mm -hmm. couple of years on Mm -hmm. on all debt, um, is as uh, auto loan interest rates have gone up, particularly credit card interest rates have gone up. And really, the the we call it a cash out refinance is what it is. You're re- it's really a payment conversation, not a rate conversation. That's where a lot of people get confused. They kind of get wrapped up in the rates, and it's really not a rate discussion. It's a mm-hmm. payment discussion. Mm-hmm. So, as an example, what you want to kind of do is compare the separate payments that you have now. So, I have my first mortgage payment. Maybe I have a home equity loan. I have a car loan, and I have four or five credit cards. So, you add all those separate payments up. And compare that to if I bundled it all into one new mortgage, what would that payment be? And then you you see if it makes sense to do that cash out refinance and bundle it all together or not, right. essentially. Right. Um, you know, if if the average person can save, let's just say three hundred dollars to pick a number, um, you're like, okay, that probably makes sense because there are gonna be some closing costs on the mortgage to do the loan. But if if you're Say there's twenty four hundred dollars in closing costs, but if you're saving three hundred dollars a month, that's that's an eight month recoup time. So right. that's pretty quick. Anything less than a year is kind of ideal. Huh. And then what you want to if if your mortgage loan originator is is doing their their job the right way, which the centrist ones will, they will <laughs> ask you, okay, what do you want to do with this three hundred dollars savings that that we're gonna we're gonna uh, get for you? You know, and that's where they're gonna ask you questions or should ask you questions about. Do you have kids? Do you want to start a you know college savings fund? Do you think you have enough going towards retirement? Maybe we need to put this into an IRA. Do you just need to save it in a rainy day fund in case, you know, if again, if you're a homeowner, maybe the furnace quits on you and you yeah. need money for the furnace or yep. whatever. So you can kind of work to 
figure out what's the financial goal of the homeowner to say, okay, we, we just kind of quote unquote found this $300. Let's make sure we put it to good use. Right. Yeah. And you've taken everything and you've made it a little bit simpler on you as well. Yeah, sure. And for budgeting purposes, you got one payment instead of like seven or eight. Right. Right. Yeah. You just have to make that one payment a month and it's all taken care of. Great. So I know you mentioned we were to kind of talk about rates and that kind of flagged me on, on some terms that we use tied to rates. So can you help us understand the difference between what a fixed rate is versus that adjustable rate mortgage? And a lot of times we see it in advertising or out in the industry as ARM. Mm-hmm. Um, can you help kind of explain that to us and how Dif- what the difference is between those. Yeah, sure. Um, the names are pretty straightforward. Fixed rate means just exactly that. The The rate will not change over the life of the loan. So once you take out the loan at that rate, that's what it is for that 30-year time period or 15-year time period, whatever it is. An adjustable rate mortgage or ARM, it, most of the time now, there is not years and years ago, there was a true, it was an adjustable rate right out of the gate. Well, over the years, that has kind of morphed into more of a, a hybrid, I guess is a good word to use, where it's fixed for a certain period of time at the beginning of the loan, and then it becomes an adjustable rate after that point. Um, two of the most common ones these days are what we call a 7-6 arm or a 10-6 arm. And that first number means it's fixed for seven years or fixed for 10 years. And then starting year number eight or 11, it, it starts to adjust. Uh, the six in that equation there is how often the rate will adjust when it starts to adjust. So again, old school years ago, it used to be a one-year adjustable. That was based on the index that we used a long time ago. That index is no longer around. The index that we use today is a six-month adjustable. So it's going to adjust twice a year. So whether you should get a fixed rate or one that has the adjustable feature really boils down to... um, how long do you see yourself keeping that loan? You know, if you think you're going to be in the house long-term and, you know, keep the loan long-term, a fixed rate's probably better off. And that's what we're all kind of conditioned to mm-hmm. want normally. Yep. But in certain circumstances, um, it might make sense. In, 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 the, in the rate environment we're in now, there used to be a bigger difference between a fixed rate and then one that was, let's say, a 7-6, a, a right? So that 7-6 rate was cheaper for the fixed portion because it wasn't fixed as long. Um, the way the markets have been recently, there there's a little bit of a difference there, but not much. And so we don't nearly find it advantageous to put people into the ARM loans now compared to like four, five, six years ago simply because the market has changed. And so those, those, those rates have changed a little bit. So, right. but that's the difference. Okay. Who would be that demographic for that adjustable rate mortgage then? Is it somebody that maybe is often moving yeah. frequently? Yeah. For yeah. A job and, then, and there are, ter- there's even one where it's only fixed for five years and that's probably the better one where you, again, if you could, if it made sense where that initial five-year rate was, and let's just make a number up and say the 30-year fixed rate right now is seven. But you could get a five, six arm at six and a quarter. So you're like, okay, seven versus six and a quarter. I'll take the six and a quarter for that five year fixed time period, knowing that maybe in year six, when it starts to adjust, my job tends to move me every five years. Mm -hmm. And so I'll probably be selling the house and I won't be in that loan in year six to have to worry about if it's going to adjust up or down. And by the way, the, the adjusting piece may or may not be a good or a bad thing. I mean, 
going into 2020, if you had, or even 2019, if you had, if you were adjusting in 2017 or 18, your rate actually went down for you without having to refinance or anything. Mm -hmm. So there was an advantage to having an arm going into 2020 and 2021. Now, of course, as that rates have gone the other way, then if you have an arm, it's going to go the other way as well. Right, so yeah. there's that give and take to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like how you said, um, just a little bit earlier that if you find a mortgage loan originator that really walks you through this, because mm -hmm. what you just said, there's a lot happening oh, there, you know, and, and yes. I, and I, you know, if I'm a first time home buyer or if I am just new to this and I am going to be moving or, you know, things like that are that very consultative approach that, yeah. that you want to find with somebody yeah. who's doing that. Um, and I think that's kind of where this, all these questions today are, you know, how do you find that right person? Mm -hmm. How do you know, you know, what to even ask. And I think that's where we were starting to, you know, get to some of these points today is that's, that's the basis, right? To start with. Yeah. 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 I mean, a, a good loan originator and, and we have good ones at Centris will always ask you questions kind of like going back to that debt consolidation situation yeah. for a moment, right? They'll ask you questions about, you know, Besides just obviously, let's use a purchase situation. Well, I want to buy this house. Okay, but how does this mortgage fit into your bigger financial picture? Right. There's two people that everybody should have in their life from a financial standpoint, besides for just base banking purposes. There's a financial advisor to help you manage your assets. And then there's a mortgage loan originator to help you manage your liabilities or your debts. Um, and, and you should talk to each one of them once a year, to be honest with you, because as your life changes. Yeah. Your finances need to change with your life. And a lot of times I don't think people understand that. Right. And so they don't check in with their advisor on their investment side and they don't check in with their mortgage loan originator on the liability side. And so they're just, they're, I think they lose money sometimes because they don't adjust those two situations as their life changes. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay, so you have that person in your life, those people in your life, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So talk us through when you're starting this process of looking for a home. What is the difference between pre-qualification and pre-approval? We hear both of those. Yeah. And are they interchangeable? Are they the same? It, they're similar. Okay. They're actually very, it's a similar process, but there is a subtle difference between the two. Okay. And yeah, it's an important to understand that because even in the mortgage industry, a lot of people will use them interchangeably, but they're really not the same thing. So a pre-qualification is if you submit an application, the lender takes that application, runs that through an automated underwriting system that, that we use. And then based on the results of that automated underwriting system, we'll give you a, a letter that says you're conditionally approved subject to basically verifying everything that you put on the application, mm -hmm. right? It's quick, it's simple, but it's only as good as the information input on the application. Nothing is really verified. A full pre-approval goes the next step and we do the steps that I just described. But in addition to that, we're going to collect some documentation. So pay stubs to verify your income, bank statements to verify your assets, uh, of course, the credit. And then we're going to actually give that to an underwriter to say, hey, based on this what if sales price loan amount scenario, does everything look like it fits the, the, the guidelines that we have to follow um, for this loan scenario? And so they'll review it and say, yeah, based on what I've seen, yeah, the, the, the income fits the guidelines, the assets fit the guidelines, the credit fits the guidelines. 
So in a perfect scenario, you know, the only thing left to do then is do an appraisal because obviously you don't have a house at that point because mm -hmm. it's a it's a what if scenario, and and a few other things. But at least you get those steps out of the way. And the biggest the biggest advantage to a full pre approval is you as the buyer and your agent when you do find the right house and you make an offer on that house, you've been kind of pre vetted out by right. by the lender so that that the seller knows and their agent knows. Okay. These people are serious and the loan should go through. So we're not going to get two or three weeks down the road and all of a sudden go, oh, yeah, you know, you don't qualify. Sorry. And then they've got to start all over, put the house back on the market, find a new buyer again. And they've just lost three weeks. Right. So, right. yeah, that's the that's the difference. And houses are moving too quickly, right? Yeah, so. absolutely. In the especially, you know, we're sitting here in February. So the spring buying season coming up, if it's anything similar to the last two or three. Yeah, I mean. We, you know, if, if you know anybody that tried to buy a house in the last two or three years, especially in the spring, early summer, it's been crazy with houses getting multiple offers. Right. I mean, like 20, 30 offers at a time sometimes and bidding wars and, and some crazy stuff. And so, yeah, that that person who walks in bare minimum with a full pre-approval has got a little bit of a leg up right, over right. the other ones that don't. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, that underwriter, they really have kind of that upper hand on whether they get approved or not. So what all are they looking at when they are reviewing those pre-approvals? What, what types of things are they really trying to hone in on? Yeah. So an underwriter basically is there to, again, validate what information they've been given and make sure it meets what I'm going to call the agency guidelines. So on a conventional loan, we either sell the loan to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. And so we follow their guidelines. It's not okay. necessarily centrist guidelines. It's the Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac guidelines. So they've got some guidelines uh, as to, you know, credit score, for example. You know, they've got a minimum credit score. So if your credit score falls below their minimum, you're not even eligible for the loan to go through them. Um, and then as far as income, we they look at something called a debt to income ratio. So, and we're talking gross monthly income compared to your monthly debts. And so they want that total debts, including the new proposed house payment, to be no more than typically forty five percent of your gross monthly income. So they're making sure that the income calculation is correct, the debt payments all look, look correct. As far as the assets, obviously, if you're if you're going to put you know, to pull a number, let's say you're going to put a hundred thousand down. Okay. Then we got to know where that hundred thousand is coming from. It has to be from a verifiable source, like a bank statement or, or an asset statement or something like that. It can't just be cash into the mattress at home because we can't <laughs> verify where that came from. Right? right. They've, they've got some regulations, make sure that you didn't obtain it illegally or things like that. So the underwriters are looking at all of that. And then a, and when we get the appraisal on the house, then they're reviewing that appraisal too, that it meets Fannie's guidelines on that as well. So they are kind of the last one to say yay or nay on the loan. The kind of the buck stops with them as far as being the decision maker on the loan. Yeah. Very good. A lot going on. I know behind the scenes, right? Those underwriters—they're doing a lot. <laughs> they are. They I are. always see them at the office too, like head down. They, they are. are. Well, they are. yeah. I mean, they—they they have a challenging job yes, because they do. there are—they're making some tough tons decisions. of guidelines that they have to make sure that loan meets. I mean, the yeah. the Fannie Seller Guide is over a thousand pages long. Jeez. Oh. So I, I mean, there's a lot to it, and so yeah, I'm. I mean, those people really have you know a, a tedious job to make sure that all the pieces of the puzzle fit right. is the way I kind Absolutely. of describe it. Yeah. Right. So you've been 
pre-approved, ready to kind of go into this next step, what are the different types of mortgages that people should be looking at? Sure. Or could be looking at yeah. based on their 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 space in in life, I guess. Right. Yeah. So there's three main types, and then there's some subsets that that I'll that I'll describe in a second. So the three main types, and I already kind of touched on it, is there's a conventional loan, an FHA loan, and a VA loan. Those are kind of the old school, traditional big three types of programs. Mm-hmm. Um, the VA one, you have to have served in certain capacities in the military to qualify mm-hmm. for. So if you've never been in the military, you don't qualify for a VA loan, which makes sense. Right. So then we'll quickly down to two, conventional and FHA. The old school way of looking at FHA, it was, it was kind of more geared towards a first-time buyer because it required less down payment, was a little bit looser on some of those underwriting guidelines that I just talked about. Um, but over the years, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac uh, kind of came up with a few of their own products that are similar to FHA. Um, and then in addition to those, there are some what I would call niche products where there's some specifically you have to be a first-time buyer, for example, to qualify. Or there's some specifically geared towards more for low to moderate income folks. And so there's you there's a maximum annual income you have to be under that number to qualify for that um, so there are those types of loans too um, but those are kind of the 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 subtle differences between the main ones and again which one is right for you really just depends on the loan officer looking at your application and analyzing your financial situ- situation to see you know, again, all those factors that I mentioned the FICO score and in the assets and everything which program looks like and a, and a good, again, good loan officer will give you choices. They should give you choices. If you talk to a lender somewhere and they're just like, yep, here you go. Here's mm-hmm. your product. That's the first warning sign. Uh, and again, they should they should listen to your situation and go, here's option one, here's option two, and maybe there's an even option three for you. Yeah, It's your choice. It's your financial situation. You decide which way you want to go. Here's the, the pros and cons to all three of them. Mm-hmm. I don't care which one you go with. You, you decide. Right. It's your right. life. Right. right. Absolutely. Yeah. Very good. Um, what are, so I know when I was buying a home way back when, long time ago, actually, <laughs> um, I've heard the term and maybe not necessarily in my situation, but I've heard the term before, like discount points. Mm-hmm. How would you describe that to somebody who's maybe going into buying the home for the first time or just going in and buying a home and they've never even heard that term before? Yeah, sure. Discount points allow you to buy the interest rate lower. In a nutshell, you can pay money to buy the interest rate down. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a quick and simple way to kind of calculate that obviously is okay. If I'm going to spend this money, how, what does that do to, here's the principal and interest payment at a rate with no points. Then here's the principal and interest at a rate with say one point and one point is 1% of your loan amount. That's, that's how you calculate it. So Borrowing $100,000, one point is $1,000 for a quick example. So then you have to do the math of, okay, if I'm going to spend $1,000 to, to take my principal and interest payment from here to here, how much is that difference? And divide it into that $1,000 and say, again, how quickly am I going to recoup that, that point? Right. On average, it takes about five years to recoup a point. So there again, going back to, right. do I see myself, A, being in the house for five years, B, having the loan for five years? Because if the answer to either one of those is no, then don't pay the point because you're wasting part of that money. You pay $1,000 and you only keep the house or keep that loan for two years. 
well, you wasted three years of that, those points essentially. Right. So is there an advantage to paying points? Yes, there could be, but you got to understand the recoup time in order for it to make sense or not. Right. That's really where that mortgage loan originator is going to help yeah. you understand. Is that the right? Yes, absolutely. Right avenue to go yeah. Down? So yeah, if you're working with somebody <laughs> and they're quoting you a rate with two or three discount points or I hate to say this, but maybe they don't even mention them in the conversation. And then you get the what's called the loan estimate, which is kind of the breakdown in writing of everything. And you mm -hmm. see discount points on there. Yeah, that's a red flag. You need to ask about that and yeah. say, why, you know, do, is there a way maybe that I can't, you know, don't have to pay these. Right. right. Because if you, again, do that quick math calculation and it's going to take you, you know, eight years to recoup those points, right. that's a long time. Right. There's a lot you have to look at. I mean, and there's a lot of, to your point, a lot of scenarios that yeah. you can look at. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, just to kind of sift through, another one being locking your interest rate. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? What if you're looking at the entire situation here? Yeah. So when you start the process, the loan originator is going to ask you if you want to lock your interest rate or float your interest rate. You have the choice. It's up to you. And the two terms mean just exactly that. So if we lock the interest rate, it cannot change. So let's let's get a purchase example. It takes around 30 days start to finish from the time you apply to the closing date. So if you lock in on day one, that's your interest rate, no matter what interest rates do over that 30-day time period. Up or down. Yeah, up or down, okay. either way. So you lock it, let's just pick a number and say 7%. And two weeks in, they go to six and a half. You're going to go, Dang, mm -hmm. shouldn't have locked. But on the reverse side, they go to 8%. You're going to go, sweet, I locked in at 7. Yeah. I made a great choice. Mm -hmm. There is no loan originator that can pre predict what interest rates are going to do. Okay. Again, I've been doing this for 32 years. My crystal ball is just as cloudy as anybody else's <laughs> in this industry. If anybody tells you they can predict what interest rates are going to do, Run no. for the run. <laughs> run. No, they can't. That's like that's it's like predicting what the stock market's gonna mm -hmm, do, right? right? And it's it's the exact same thing because our rates are based on what loosely what the mortgage well not loosely mortgage backed securities or bonds. So as the bond market changes from one day to the next, just like the stock market does, our interest rates do that accordingly. And kind of throughout the day, to be honest with you, yeah. as markets fluctuate. So what it really boils down to there again is your uh, ask your loan originator. Okay, here's my payment at seven percent. What's my payment at six point eight seven five, which is six and seven eighths? You know how much does it change for every eighth? Because normally we go in eighth percent increments for interest rates most of the time. So for every eighth that the rate changes, let's say my payment changes by twenty two dollars. So I, as the home buyer, have to make the decision. Okay, do I want to, you know, roll the dice that maybe if they go down that eighth, oh great, my payment's twenty two dollars cheaper, or if they go up an eighth, well, my payment's going to be twenty two dollars higher. And over that thirty day time period, you know, is it really worth it or not? Is the twenty two dollars really worth it? Either way, and then that's the decision I make. So there again, it's you know, asking the loan originator, well, what are they going to do next week? They can't tell you. Right. You know. Right. Um, but it's just a, it's just a comfort thing mm -hmm. or a, the term I used to use when I was originating, it just depends on how much of a gambler you are. Yeah. Right. So if you want to roll the dice and hope that they go down an eighth or a quarter and you save 22 or 44 bucks, great. Yeah. Roll yeah. the dice, see yeah. what happens. But if you're like, eh, not worth it. All right. Then let's just lock it in <laughs> right. and be done with it. Yeah. Very good. 
I just feel like I got a whole lot smarter in a matter of, <laughs> right? Now I want to go home and look at all my mortgage documentation like, and be like, what, do, what did I, did what I, I sign? sign? Like, did, are there points on there? Like, did they put points on here? And did I, I didn't even know this? Oh. Have I paid out those points in yeah. a way that makes sense? Yeah. Jeez. I think we had like one more. This one came up in another conversation recently too. What are trigger leads? Sure. Yeah. So that's something that has just kind of come into popularity in the last, I'm going to say two to three years. So when you apply for a mortgage loan, the three national credit bureaus, we, we pull a credit report that's got shows all three credit bureaus information on it. Mm -hmm. Right now it is, it is legal for those three national credit bureaus to sell your information, name, phone number, email address to other lenders and say, hey, this person has applied for a mortgage loan. That's and so cool. then that lender who bought that lead will a lot of times call or email that person and go, hey, you just applied for a mortgage loan. Can we tell you about our mortgage program? <laughs> and the crazy part is, to use an example, we had one example where one of our members recently applied and within... Five to 10 minutes of us pulling their credit, they had 26 phone calls. Oh, my, oh my gosh. Yeah. The, the guy's phone was literally blowing up with all of these, and typically they're big national lenders, mm -hmm. calling to go, hey, we know you just applied for a mortgage somewhere. Do you want to, you know, you want to talk to us? Wow. And the guy was like, how do I make this stop? Right, I mean, his phone right. was just going nuts. He was like, what is going on? Yeah. So... There is a bill in Congress right now to do away with that and not allow it anymore. Mm -hmm. Where it goes, uh, you know, who knows? Or yeah. can, stuff can, you know, yeah. move, move like a snail through Congress yes. sometimes. So <laughs> don't know if and when that'll ever, ever come, come to pass or not. Um, but there, you know, you can opt out of that. And the best thing to do would just be to, to Google it. There's a website you can go to that'll, that'll, give you the option of putting in your information and then opting out of that. So the best thing that I can advise is if you, if you think you're going to be buying or applying for a mortgage or refinancing soon, probably the first thing you want to do if you don't want to get bombarded with those phone calls and emails is just go opt out of that before you even apply anywhere. Sure. Because once somebody pulls your credit, then, then the, the process starts. And so once you know you're in there and have opted out, then you can go ahead and apply. And you, I, I, I don't think I can guarantee it, but you should not get hardly any of those phone calls or emails um, soliciting you for, for business. Very good. So, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's become a, it's become an issue in the last couple of years, two, three, four years ago, it was just kind of random here and there, but now we're hearing more and more stories about similar to the one that I just told you yeah, of people geez. just getting bombarded, yeah. which is kind of crazy. Well, so. and if we if we have that website, we can always put that in the description of this yeah. podcast yeah. for our listeners. Yeah, so I don't have it off the top of my head I, because it's kind of lengthy. I don't remember. It's, it's yeah, I, yeah, I can't remember it right now. It's opt out something, but um, yeah, we we can put it out there so people can, can find it. Or otherwise, you could just Google it as well. So awesome. Yeah. Well, we really like to end these episodes on kind of the theme of this whole podcast is kind of a penny or two for your thoughts um, and getting what's most important that you want our listeners to take away from this episode? What's that one little nugget that they can take with them as they're looking at possibly getting a mortgage 
Yeah, sure. So I think it's selecting the right loan originator to work with you. And and like I've said a couple of times already, understanding that that the good ones will ask you a lot of questions and not just say, yep, here's your loan. Mm-hmm. Sign okay. here. Um, because as I mentioned, there's too many options and they don't know what options to give you if they don't ask you questions. So don't get offended if they're asking you questions. You're like, I'm applying for a mortgage. Why are you asking me about, you know, college savings and what my plan retirement plans are? Because it all should factor into how we structure that mortgage loan for you. So by choosing the right originator, understanding the questions that that originator is going to ask in and then in working with them to make sure that they set you up. Um, and then again, as I also mentioned, once the loan closes, you should be hearing from them once a year to see if there's anything that they can do to help change that depending on how your life changes. Yeah. Very so, good. That's great. So yeah, pick, pick a mortgage loan officer wisely. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a relationship, not a transaction. Right. It's kind of the best way Absolutely. I can describe it. Absolutely. That's perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brian, for sitting down, chatting with us, um, get, helping all our, all our listeners kind of understand that mortgage lingo that we all, we understand because we're in it day in, day out, but yeah. they may not be as familiar with um, and helping them just be more prepared as they start their journey into a new home. So really appreciate you taking the time today to chat with us. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Really just jumping in like right. full on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you had <laughs> no idea what you're up for. I mean, we all climbed this ladder to this high dive and I said, Brian, okay, we're going to jump right now. You, you pushed like real, I, I like this is, it was a nice little just tap. tap. It was a Here tap. And then, bye. Yep, bye. <laughs> yeah. All right. Bonus points for how big your splash That's- is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, listeners, if you are still listening to this podcast, um, we appreciate you very much. We do. Um, And if you have any additional financial topics that you want to learn more about, um, you know, as you make your way through your life and all the financial things that you're uncovering, you can email us at pennyforyourthoughts at centrusfcu.org. And we'll track down the right subject matter expert to come onto the show and help answer those questions. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast if you don't want to miss an episode. We know you really don't want to miss an episode because it's it's you never know what you're going to get with us. And then help other listeners find us by rating, reviewing, and sharing. You can also follow Centris on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Or you can check out our website at centrisfcu.org where we have a lot of great financial insights. And if you just want to chat with one of our amazing experts or you want to be synced up to one of our mortgage loan originators, you can give us a call at 402-334-7000. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for diving in with us and have a great day. Thanks, everyone. Ahura Media Production.